It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind. Visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. Ah, uh, yes, it does. A live show on Good Friday. And for us Christians around this country and around the world, happy Good Friday to everybody. It is Ken Thompson, SportsX Radio Live, PSBR Law Studios here in Las Vegas. PSBR Law, the best in personal injury. I always tell you, you may not need that number now, but you may need it in the future. So jot it down. Brian Panish, one of the best senior partners in all the land. And uh, he is the head honcho there, Panish, Shea Boyle, Ravaputi. Jot the number down. You know the 702 for Vegas, 830 the best in personal injury. Strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice, over $4.5 billion in verdicts and settlements the last four and a half years for their clients between Southern California and here in Southern Nevada and throughout the state of Nevada. It is SportsX Radio on this Good Friday, and I'm uh, going to review the Masters. Didn't get all of round two in, but have a special guest, somebody I met last week, young man that's uh, hoping to be a professional golfer, uh, you know, career-wise. Uh, he's a young man out of University of Iowa, was a member of the Iowa Hawkeyes golf team. Charles John going to uh, join me in about uh, about seven minutes from now. So we'll uh, have him for a segment and a half. And then my good pal, Brad Powers, top of hour number two. Talk a little NFL draft, little college football, just kind of catch up. I know it's only April, but the draft, of course, towards the end of this month in Kansas City. Looking forward to that. NBA, winding down. Teams jockeying for position. Some teams out of it. Some teams purposely bowing out of it, like the Dallas Mavericks. Went and got Kyrie Irving. If not for this year, evidently. Uh, if they lost tonight, they would be eliminated, and they did lose tonight. Had a nice fat lead at halftime, but they let it go away, and uh, that'll give them, I believe, the number 10 pick in the draft. Uh, they had a trade in place, I think, with the Knicks. That's from part of the Porzingis deal. But if they fin- if they were going to get one of the top 10 picks, I think that pick was protected. And so by them losing, they end up keeping that pick. 
is uh, what I was reading earlier today. So no surprise there. Probably should have bet against the Mavs, but didn't do so. And, uh, you know, put some money elsewhere. Have some money going into uh, Saturday and Sunday action. The Masters, again, we still have some guys that have not finished up in round two. So we'll get into that with Charles John. Shout out to my producer, Mark Hoke. Mark, of course, the Mark Hoke Show, Sunday morning. He'll be doing a show live on Easter morning, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., the best in professional wrestling. He, of course, attending WrestleMania 39 last week in L.A., so he still has to review that second day, and he's got some great guests as well. Looking forward to that, and I'm sure you'll recognize the anthem that we'll hear uh, sometime tonight during the show when we come back from one of the breaks. Uh, it'll be a dedication for our good pal Mike Scalliott, a good Christian guy that I know, but a big-time Yankees fan. So we're going to dedicate that anthem uh, to Mike on this good Friday. Mike, hope you're listening. I'm sure you are. And uh, this will be courtesy of my good producer, Mark Hoke. SportsX Radio, we go to the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard, talked a little association. Going now, Warriors 53-48. They lead in Sacktown over the Kings. Low-scoring first half. Warriors minus 11, 233.5. Kings not going to improve their position. They know where they're at as far as Western Conference, but the first time Sacramento makes the playoffs in 16 years. Suns lead the Lakers. Little surprise there. Resting a bunch of players. Phoenix is 8.05 to go second quarter. Suns 41-39 leading the Lakers. Lakers have to win their last two and... Need Golden State, I believe, to lose tonight in order to pass the Warriors. I I think that's the way that works. But again, the Warriors up five at halftime. Games from earlier tonight, 114-108. Wizards win against Miami. They were actually three-and-a-half-point dogs at the Westgate Superbook. Total was 218-and-a-half. Game gets over the total, and the uh, Wizards win it on the money line. Meanwhile, the Rockets on the road. They win in Charlotte, laying five-and-a-half, though, on the road. They only win it by three. 112-109. Game stays well under the 230. Pistons at Indiana. Chris wins Pistons. The boys from the Motor City playing well tonight in Indianapolis. They were six-and-a-half-point dogs. Didn't need any of it. Win by seven on the road, 122-115. to Total, 232-and-a-half. Game gets over, hits 237. Sixers on the road, no problem. Take care of Atlanta. How about Philly playing shorthanded? They were plus 11.5, resting a bunch of guys, and uh, they win it outright, 136-131 against Atlanta. Total 237.5, game flies over. Brooklyn takes care of Orlando in a big way at the Barclays Center, 101-84, cover the nine. Game stays well under the 220.5. Celtics at home, no problem. They were actually shorthanded as well, and uh, catching two Two points there at the Westgate Superbook against the Toronto Raptors, and they beat the Raptors by 19, 121 to 102. Total, 223 around town, but 223.5 at the Westgate Superbook. And so if you played over, you lose by the hook. Closing number as it hits 223. Two, uh, final score, 121-102. Pelicans beat the Knicks, 113-105, minus 8. So uh, that pushes the number. Total, 223. That game stays under. Hits 218-113-105. Nolan's down in the bayou taking out the Knicks. Grizz, big game in Milwaukee. Bucks resting players as well, 137-114. All Grizz rolling. Game hits 251. Total was 231. Grizz minus 8.5 on the road. But again, Milwaukee resting players. And um, Memphis wins it by 23 big ones. And the Bulls, we talked about it, knocked off the Mavs, 115-112 to the final there. Keep an eye on those other two games. Update, Suns 44-42 lead the Lakers, 7-15 to go in the second quarter. And 53-48 Warriors still at halftime against the Kings. Major League Baseball going right now. Top nine, Coors Field. It is Washington up 10-5. to 5. Uh, 
good solid effort there by the Nats. They jumped all over Colorado and Urena early and uh, now doubling up on the Rockies. Bottom nine they go to right now, 10-5. to five. Washington earlier today. San Diego just finished off Atlanta, 5-4. to four. Good road win for the Padres. And Milwaukee continues to play good solid ball, unbeaten at home, shut out the Cardinals. And it was Woodruff over Flaherty, 4 nothing the final. And that one, Woodruff, a minus 155. Total 8.5 game stays under. That Padres game with the Braves, by the way, that total was 9.5. And, and the game barely stays under. Hits 9-5-4 Padres. Dodgers lead Arizona. Bottom six, Bumgarner. How about 103 pitches in four and two-thirds? He walked six guys but was able to uh, get out of a jam with a little help from the bullpen there. Left the bases loaded, but it is to 3-2. Dodgers leading Arizona that game now in the bottom half of the sixth inning. American League 2-1. to one. Angels bottom four. They bat against Toronto. Sandoval and Bassett going in that one. Got a little money on the Halos. Total of nine. Game well under uh, pace-wise right now. 5-3. to three, Seattle knocked off Cleveland in a matinee game there in Ohio. Gilbert over Savali, 5-3 to three the final on that one, getting up and over the total of 7.5 and 9-5. And to five. Eflin and Tampa take out Oakland big time there. The Rays remain undefeated, go to 7-0. Oh. You had the Cubbies, a 2-0 shutout over Texas, Stroman over Eovaldi. Pittsburgh continues to play good, solid baseball, beat up on the Southsiders of Chicago, 13-9. Rich Hill in control early in that one in Kansas City, wins at San Francisco. Keller over Alex Cobb, 3-1 to one the final. And then you had the four makeup games from yesterday. Minnesota, 3-2. to two. They knock off Houston at Minnesota Mets their opener at home nine to three they take out Miami in a big way and five to two Philly pound Cincinnati and then of course the big score of the day little Orioles magic baby Baltimore seven the Yankees six from Camden Yards and uh, no hockey today on this good Friday without further ado I welcome for the first time to SportsX Radio his name is Charles John Met Charles at Lifetime Fitness here in Phoenix about a week or so ago. Saw the Iowa Hawkeye shirt and walked up and said, "Did you go to Iowa?" He said, "I sure did." I said, uh, "Did you know Coach? Do you know Coach Fran McCaffrey?" He goes, "Well, I don't know Coach Mac personally, but uh, I know uh, you know everybody there in the athletic program. I was on the golf team." And I said, "Really?" I said, "Well, Masters coming up next week. Maybe I'll get you on the show sometime." Sure enough, we've uh, corresponded back and forth, and uh, Charles taking time out from his Good Friday evening, and he's back home, just making it back to Iowa, makes it out to Arizona zone as well charles great to have you on sportex radio and happy good friday to you you too uh great to be on the show thanks for having me i appreciate it no i appreciate you real quick little background on charles john and it's spelled j-a-h-n but pronounced john charles little background uh, your time there at iowa and also i saw iowa amateur golfer of the year 2021 yes i won the uh iowa amateur in 21 and then uh turned pro right after that and just been playing May tours the past year and a half, but um, last year on Monday qualified for the for the John Deere Classic on the PGA Tour, so that was a that was a pretty cool experience. And um, looking looking forward to talking some golf tonight. Yeah, looking forward to it as well. And let's start right there because Sam Bennett, an amateur all of a sudden finds himself only four strokes off the pace. He's finished his first two rounds. John Rahm passing him by a stroke to move into second behind Brooks Kepka, who got going early today and uh, was minus five after a minus seven yesterday. So 12 under par for Kepka through two rounds. And sometimes it pays to be out there early after following a late entry on the opening day, just in case weather 
wreaks havoc, and that's what happened today. So Kepka was glad to get in the clubhouse, minus 12. He knew he set a pretty good pace and was really solid golf by the amateur Sam Bennett, who was able to, uh, you know, stay right there, and then a late close by John Rahm. And John only finished nine holes today, so he's minus nine through nine in round two. But Bennett, the amateur, I believe it's the uh, one of the lowest scores for an amateur in a long, long time. And it's been since 1961 was the last time that an amateur actually finished as a runner-up in the Masters. It's happened three times. But your take on Sam Bennett, the amateur, sitting at eight under par, minus four in the opening round, another four under par today. Pretty consistent golf with a couple 68s to start the rounds. Yeah, um, you know, Sam Bennett's kind of the big wild card in this um, at eight under. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays on the weekend. And, you know, you really only see um, kind of luck of the draw with the weather at the British Open. But, you know, this week's, I think, going to be a big the biggest story is probably going to be the luck of the draw because, you know, John Rahm's got nine holes left to play tomorrow and it's going to be really crappy weather tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he finishes his second round. And then, you know, Sam Bennett could find himself in the, uh, in the last group on Saturday, which is a, you know, it will definitely be the biggest um, moment of his career. And it'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, he's proven so far that he has the game, you know, to play in the masters and, you know, contends and to win. But I think the biggest thing is going to be, can he handle the nerves? And uh, especially can he handle the nerves if he's got a chance on the back nine on Sunday uh, to win the thing? Um, it's one thing to play the first two days and, you know, be near the lead, but they always say, you know, it, the, the Masters doesn't start till the back nine on Sunday. So I'm really, really excited to see how, uh, how Sam does this weekend. And of course, you're over there in Iowa and I'm out here in uh, on the West Coast here in Vegas. And, you know, they're going to tee off at 8 a.m. East Coast time there in Augusta. Well, at least that's the plan. Right now, as I look at the weather, 93% chance of rain, 12-mile-an-hour winds. That's at 8 a.m., and it doesn't get any better all the way through. I mean, there is rain forecasted throughout the day, uh, anywhere from 88% on through 97%. I mean, all the way till 8 p.m. tomorrow night in Augusta, and the rain, and uh, coupled with the wind, the wind consistently going to be 12 to 13 miles an hour and again it just matters you know where that wind is going which way it's going what type of direction it's going if it's coming back in your face on some of these shots Charles how difficult is that uh, it's one thing to play in the rain as long as the uh, the lightning stays away I'm sure they'll they'll try and get in as much golf as they can but when you're dealing with inclement weather and I'm sure you've dealt with it in Iowa and different courses around the country when you were playing uh, both amateur and now of course uh, starting your pro career but how difficult it is, is it to get acclimated to the elements and how do you do it how do you prepare is it something like say a day to uh, like tomorrow do you get out there as early as you can and just say you know what it's going to be like this throughout the day so I just got to bear it and, and, and get used to it or do you wait till the last minute to basically get out there and try and stay as dry as you can yeah the biggest thing is going to be all the the starting and stopping because it's going to be you know really heavy rain and then they're going to stop and then you know it might lighten up and then they'll put them back out there and they're going to just going to be shuttling back and forth. So you kind of got to be prepared um, for anything and just, you know, be ready at all times to play golf. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing with the wind is, you know, it's, it's hard playing normal golf courses in, you know, blustery winds, but, you know, you get to Augusta and all those trees are lined with pine trees and the wind just swirls, especially in Amen corner, which is holes 11 through 13, which John Rahm has um, coming up here to, to finish his second round. I mean, he's going to, 
it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a whole different ball game than the first two days because of the wind. Like the first two days, sunny and not much wind, but this weekend, it'll be fun to watch the, a lot of the golf holes with water because the wind's going to be swirling and those Augusta pines and, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Maybe not, maybe not too fun to, I mean, it's always fun to play the masters I'm sure, but maybe not as fun this weekend with all, with all the wind and rain they're expecting. So. Yeah, and I was going to say, I'm trying to find, oh, there he is, Freddie Couples. Uh, he has made it through 17, and so he's got one hole left. Uh, he's sitting at even par, so unless he blows up on that first hole, he gets out there to finish up round two. He is going to make the cut. Uh, projected cut was plus two, and Tiger's, Tiger Woods was sitting at plus two, and uh, he and Poston uh, both at plus two. They're the only ones at plus two, and uh, Tiger has gone through 11 holes right now and of course uh 74 two over par yesterday but he'd even par on round two uh it's always better masters wise if tiger does make the cut and is around for the weekend always adds uh interest there uh, a guy that's been around the game for a long time and of course has had memorable victories over there in augusta so that'll be fun uh but the ageless wonder fred couples now 63 years old and trying to make it uh into the weekend so that'll be a lot of fun to see if he can indeed just get that next hole out of the way and uh, remain and make the cut your take on some of the golfers atop the leaderboard and uh also your take on the the live golf the liv i mean everybody uh not everybody but a good chunk of the PGA Tour players uh, going over there, and you know, folks saying defecting, and and uh, and Brooks Koepka is one of those guys. Uh, the money was astronomical, and some of the guys just uh, choosing to leave the PGA to take the uh, monetary value there of playing live golf and not having to do as much to earn more. And Koepka off to a great start, as we said, uh, twelve under. So it would be kind of. Kind of neat to see if uh, a live golfer can win uh, the Masters. But Rom, again, as we talked about, still has nine holes to go in round two. And then a very steady golfer in Colin Morikawa, uh, six under. He with Victor Hovland, who was tied for the lead at seven under uh, with two other golfers after day one. Both of those gentlemen, six strokes off the pace. And then the Aussie, Jason Day, he finished up round two. Uh, Hovland still has eight holes to go as far as his round two. But Morikawa, Jason Day in the clubhouse. Sam Burns in the clubhouse also at five under. Jordan Spieth, five under. And you talk about Amen Corner. My goodness, he missed a uh, a putt there, a birdie putt that was just, uh, I mean, off by a millimeter. And I thought he would have gotten that one, and that could have gotten him to six under par. And uh, Cam Young also at five under. So, uh, guys at the top of the leaderboard, uh, your take as far as those guys, and uh, and and I'll get your answer when we come back. Because I just realized I already ran long on on the break, Charles. So so hold that thought. I know I threw a lot at you. We'll recap when we come back. SportsX Radio. It is Ken Thompson. Charles John has joined me, University of Iowa golf team, and now he has turned pro and he's going to continue in the next segment to review and preview the Masters as we look forward to finishing up round two for some of the golfers and then hopefully getting through the weekend. Don't know if we'll have Masters golf on Monday. We may if the weather continues to wreak havoc. We are live from Vegas, 101.5 FM, Dawn, and of course streaming live on that Odyssey app. It is a worldwide app, and you can download it for free, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Producer Mark Hoke, he'll be spinning the hits, and uh, Mike Scalliot says he's going to turn off the show till 9 o'clock, so he doesn't want to hear that Orioles anthem, but we'll probably hear it when we come back. We are live from Vegas. Keep it right here. You're listening to SportsX Radio on a good Friday. Something magic happens Every time you go You make the magic happen 
magic of Orioles baseball when the game is close and the yokes are hot there's a thundering roar from 34 to give it all they got and you never know who's gonna hear the call every game does a different start that's the magic of Orioles baseball Uh, yeah, even on Good Friday, I promised producer Mark Hope that when the Orioles won, if he's producing the show, we're going to have that Orioles anthem on there, and especially when they beat the Yankees. And a Good Friday became a great Friday for KT when the Orioles won 7-6 to six over Mike Scalliott's New York Yankees. Yankees going down. Now the Mets won 9-3, to three, so it was an extra special day for Ken Thompson. But, of course, Good Friday means a lot more than sports. Uh, really enjoy this weekend, and uh, happy Easter weekend to everybody. Looking forward to a great Saturday and a big-time Sunday. Uh, update a couple things going before we get back with Charles John. 65-53 Warriors now up 12, 8.05 to go third quarter against Sacramento, and Suns up 60-55 to on the Lakers, 35 seconds left in the first half. 4-3 to Arizona's grabbed the lead against Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers. Kershaw just not looking like the guy that we've seen over the last several years, struggling mightily. Not as bad as Bumgarner, but Bumgarner getting bailed out by the bullpen after throwing 103 pitches, only 52 of them for strikes, and he walked six in four and two-thirds. Uh, Angels extend the lead to 3-1 to over Toronto. That's it as far as what's going on in baseball. And again, no games in the NHL. The NHL taking Good Friday off. So we'll keep an eye on the basketball and baseball that continues to roll forward. We'll see how much golf we get in on Saturday. Again, looking at the weather report, doesn't look good. But Charles John, uh, my former amateur golfer that played his amateur golf there at University of Iowa and uh, now has turned pro, he's assessing what we're going to be looking at over the weekend. And and, and Charles, what about it as far as uh, the wind? I mean, how difficult is it when, when you really get that wind? And I think we see a lot of, uh, you mentioned the British Open, which they just call the Open now, but you know, when you see some of the inclement weather across the pond, my goodness, sometimes that wind really gets whipping up. And I would think that's got to be one of the toughest, uh, you know, things to deal with as far as golf. Uh, you, one thing if it's raining, but when you get that wind and the rain combination, probably real difficult for you guys to uh, have a decent round. Yeah, so I feel like Brooks Kepka definitely, you know, definitely got the better side of the draw. Um, the first two days in terms of the weather. And, uh, you know, this weekend is going to be windy. It's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. And I think, you know, the best scrambler this weekend is going to win because when it's, when those, when those are the conditions, you know, no one's going to hit all 36 greens this weekend. There's going to be a lot of, you know, chipping and up and downs you got to um, make sure to get. So, you know, looking at the leaderboard right now, you know, I can see this going a couple of ways. And you mentioned before the break that, you know, there's kind of this, there's kind of this um, live golf versus PGA Tour golf scene going on right now. And I think, the you know, the thing that people don't like about live golf is that, you know, we don't get to see all the best players in the world playing in the same tournament um, every week. And I think, you know, the fact that they don't play in the PGA Tour anymore, you know, makes the majors even better because we only get to see, you know, all the best golfers in the world play four times a year. And this is the first time. And, Look, you've got on the top of the leaderboard, you've got, you know, Bruce Kepka, who's one of the faces of, you know, the new Live Golf Tour. 
you know, versus John Rahm, who's, you know, one of the faces of the PGA tour. And, um, you know, so I could see, I could see a duel between Brooks and John Rahm, you know, shaping out if, if John Rahm can finish his rounds um, off pretty well. You know, there's some other guys just on the leaderboard that, that haven't uh, finished yet that can make their way up. But, you know, with the, with the weather coming in this weekend, um, it's just going to be a grind. And I think it's going to be hard to go low and it's going to be easy to make bogeys and a lot of bogeys and, you know, even some, some others too. So I could definitely see, you know, Brooks Kepka coming back to the field too. Um, it's, it's hard to judge his game based off of live golf tournaments because those courses are a little bit easier and he just won in Orlando, but he shot, I'm not sure, he shot about 20 under, you know, so he shot a lot under to win that. So um, I just think that with the weather conditions, it's perfect for people who are coming from behind and especially, you know, good scramblers. And if there's any, anybody's name on the leaderboard that sticks out, uh, you know, around the five under four under mark is definitely Jordan Spieth. Um, he's a great scrambler and he's, He's obviously had success at the Masters before, and you know I can see Spieth making the way up the making the way up the leaderboard on Saturday. And you know if Brooks makes a couple bogeys, you know he's right there. So it's going to be you, a, you know, be a fun. yeah. I was going to say, Charles, when you when you look, uh, I talked to Brady Cannon the other night as we previewed the Masters, and Brady's saying, you know, when the weather comes into play, especially you know the windier and rainier it is. He said, I'll look for the guys that are used to playing in uh, those types of conditions more than not. Guys like Justin Rose, guys like, you know, that play, uh, you know, over in Europe a lot. Uh, Shane Lowry, another guy. So you have Rose and Lowry both at four under par. He said, I could see guys like that being able to move up the uh, the leaderboard. But you mentioned Jordan Spieth, and he said, you know, the guys that play in Texas as well, they deal with uh, a lot of uh, elements as well uh, in their uh, days as they've moved up. Uh, the leaderboard, so to speak, into the yeah, pro I was, tour. I was just, just going to say Sam Burns is another name that um, pops into my head. Um, you know, I think he, I'm pretty sure he lives in Texas and, you know, he just won the WGC Dell match play in Texas. And he's, you know, he's obviously in good form. I could see him. I could see him definitely popping up the leaderboard as well. Yeah. So. Some of the guys, some of the guys that, you know, frustrate me, like, Xander Shoffley is a guy that, my God, it looks so many tournaments I've watched to where it, you, you see like the first nine holes of a tournament, you're like, oh, man, this guy's on, he's on, he's going to be right there near the leaderboard. And next thing you know, he misses a couple, you know, gimmies, and next thing he's, he's got a, a, a double bogey and then kind of loses three or four strokes back and really frustrating with some of these guys. But it is a, you know, we're watching it and we're nitpicking. Tell everybody, you know, like some of these greens, I, I mean, there is not much room for error. I mean, as far as, you know, some of these putts and, and you know, at the end of the day, there's there's probably, you know, five, six, seven strokes uh, per golfer for four rounds that could have gone either way, a, an inch here, an inch there to where they could be, you know, much further up the leaderboard or much further back. Exactly. Yeah. So Augusta's. You know, Augusta is known for wide fairways. It's not, I mean, if you drive it well, obviously you're going to have an advantage, but it's really a second shot golf course because the greens at Augusta are just really slopey. There's different sections to them. So you really got to make sure you leave your second shot, you know, in a good place to make birdie or to two putt from because you could, you could hit a green at Augusta and have a 70 footer that, you know, you can't stop going down a hill or it's going to break, 
two different ways or, you know, have some crazy type of break. So it's really a, a second shot type of golf course. And then from there, it's a lot of, you know, you got to be able to lag putt and make your short putts. And uh, I'm kind of surprised Xander fell off the leaderboard. I thought he would, you know, contend, but he he's, he's contended in majors before, but, you know, hasn't finished one off. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who, who can rise to the top from, you know, those four or five under four and five under uh, names and see if they can challenge Brooks and, and John Rahm. Yeah, and another live golfer now, of course, Phil Mickelson. And uh, can't wait for the Billy Walters book to come out later this year. That'll be an uh, interesting yeah, read. No no question on that one. Uh, give me – give me uh, just let's take Kepka and Rahm and the uh, amateur Bennett out of the equation. Uh, give me two guys that you could see finish in the top five. I mean, I I definitely see Jordan Spieth. He's you know he won in 2015. He should have won in 2016 if he if he hadn't played the the 12th hole that year. Um, he kind of threw that tournament away, but he he always seems to to have that knack for contending or getting in contention at the at the Masters. And you know his the the one thing that has kind of betrayed him this year has been his putting. And so far this week, he's he's made a lot of putts. Um, you know, Jordan's never really been a Never really been good at short putting, but once you, once you get him in that ten to twenty foot range, um, you know where you usually have most of your birdie putts, he seems to make a lot of those. And I think, you know, this week he's making a lot of them. He knows he knows those greens um, better than anyone, and uh, I, I really like his chances to to finish you know finish in the top five and definitely contend this weekend. Um, and then the other the other name that I'm kind of looking at is Cameron Young. He's at five under through nine on the second round. You know, if there's and he looked really solid the first round, and um, he came off a runner-up in, in the in the Dell match play a couple of weeks ago, and he's had I think he's had seven runners up runner-up on tours on the on the PGA Tour without uh, winning. And you know, if he if he could get somewhere in the seven to eight under mark, and you know, get himself in those last couple of groups for uh, for Saturday. I could see Cam Young making a run for it too. So I, I like those two guys as my two picks to to challenge uh, those two guys at the top. There you go. And hopefully Sam Bennett, I'd love to see him. I, I actually played him uh, to finish in the top five. Just had to have a little fun, a little more action. And, uh, you know, we'll see how things pan out over the weekend. Now, let me go back uh, real quick. Uh, you played your college golf at Iowa. Uh, who was the biggest rival out of the Big Ten? Uh, was it Indiana or who else? Because I don't follow the golf like I follow the football and the basketball. Uh, but I do enjoy the golf. But, you know, I, I, you know, after meeting you, I'll probably pay more attention to it. But uh, who were the rivals uh, that you enjoyed going up against? And who had the nicest uh, course close to where their campus was that you enjoyed going to outside of maybe your home course there, you know, close to Iowa City? Yeah, so I played. I played one year at. Uh, I played four years at Bradley University, and then my graduate year, I, I transferred to Iowa and played uh, one year at Iowa. And you know, Illinois is kind of known for being the best golf team in the Big Ten. Um, I think before my my year when I was there, twenty twenty one, they won maybe seven or eight times in a row the Big Ten title. Wow. Um, Mike Small runs a really good program there, but the year that the year that. Uh, I was there. We made it to the Big Ten uh, championship, and we lost by one to Illinois. Got second by one, 
And, uh, you know, that was big because we've, you know, we were, we were close, you know, a few years ago to winning it, but, um, you know, no one's really been that close to beating Illinois. And we, we had a really good chance on the last hole. One of my teammates barely missed a putt to tie us for the, uh, the big 10 title. But, um, you know, uh, Purdue's kind of known as, as having the best course in the, uh, in the big 10, they've got a really good, um, home track. So, but yeah, yeah Illinois, Illinois is kind of, Illinois is kind of known for being the, the best big 10 team, but obviously the Hawkeyes are trying to change that. Like all the, like all the other sports that we're playing in right now. So, yeah. Uh, Got to see uh, Caitlin yeah. Clark lighted up there for uh, the Lady Hawkeyes. But real quick, what about Bradley? What about the Missouri Valley? You were there in Peoria four years. Uh, who the, who's the who are the the better teams year in year out in the Missouri Valley? Yeah, so at Bradley, we uh, we won our conference we won our conference title there when I was a sophomore for the first time in fifty years. Um, nice. But usually, usually Wichita State was really good when they were in the MVC. And mm-hmm. then uh, Illinois State was good, and uh, Southern Illinois. We were those were all kind of the good teams um, in the Missouri Valley. But we, when I was there, we we had a great team, a lot of a great players from Central Illinois. And um, you know, coming out of high school, I really wasn't as good at golf, and I got went to Bradley and just playing with all my teammates there, and you know, qualifying against them every day made me a lot better. And you know, Bradley kind of when I was there was the hub for you know, all the good golfers in central Illinois and, you know, me coming over from Iowa, you know, helped them out and we did some good things there too. So. Yeah, no doubt. And they had a pretty good basketball team as well. Uh, however, the Drake took them out in the final there, the MVC under the arch, arch madness, but always enjoy paying attention to the Missouri Valley and it's uh, uh, some good solid football there as well. So, uh, really appreciate you taking time out, Charles. John, I know I'll see you uh, when you make it back to AZ, but, you know, we've got uh, contact information exchanged and look forward to having you back on the shows. We'll uh, we'll pay attention when we get closer to the British Open and the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open and, and check in with you. And uh, when do you start now? You said you turned pro, so now when do you uh, start getting after it real quick? Um, right now I'm kind of – um, just practicing right now, and uh, later this month I'll probably do some mini tour events. Um, I'll do U.S. Open local qualifying early May. I made it through local qualifying for the U.S. Open last year. Uh, missed out on the U.S. Open by I think eight shots last year. So um, and that's a whole other gauntlet trying to qualify for the U.S. Open. But uh, hopefully have better luck this year and uh, can get into that. So we'll see just if uh, we'll see if that pans out. Just get that first paycheck, baby, and I know you'll be there week in, week out. And hopefully you'll have me on your show talking about me playing in the U.S. Open versus uh, just talking about it. So <laughs> There you go. That, that's it. That's the yeah. goal. I'll hold up my end. You take care of your end, Charles John. I appreciate you big time, my man. Listen, have a great Easter weekend with the family. Let's stay in touch. Look forward uh, to you coming over the house there in Phoenix when you make make time or over in Vegas, uh, whichever one. But really appreciate you, and uh, you seem like a a really good young man, and it was great meeting you, and look forward to uh, touching base again in person real soon. Yeah, you too, Ken. I'm uh, I'm excited to get back down to to Arizona this uh, this fall, and We'll probably, we'll probably uh, touch base, and I'll probably see you at Lifetime again soon. So There there you go. That's it. Good stuff. Charles John. I appreciate it. At Charles John, and it's J-A-H-N, the number six, at Charles John 6. You can follow him on Twitter. 
He is my guest. He reviewed, he previewed the Masters for the weekend. We'll see if the weather cooperates. Charles will do it again soon. We take a break. SportsX Radio rolling on through on this Good Friday. It is a live show. And I am Ken Thompson. Follow the show at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio. Archives up by 11 o'clock Pacific time. And you can just go to either one of those handles. They will be pinned there. Mark Hoke takes us to break. Mark Hoke's show coming up Easter Sunday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Right here, 101.5 FM Dawn, And we're both streaming live on the Odyssey app. We're live from Vegas. We're coming right back at you. This time, I know that you are holding all the answers. I'm tired of losing hope and taking chances on roads that never seem. Ah, yeah, a little third day coming back on this Good Friday. Thanks to Mark Hoke spinning some hits. And I want to stay in the theme there, Good Friday. Happy Good Friday to everybody. And a big-time day for Christians around the world and uh, Easter weekend. So it's kind of a tradition uh, for me and the family that we take in Passion of the Christ. And I know it's one of those movies that's... uh, you know, it's tough. Mel Gibson did a phenomenal job, and uh, the cast is uh, second to none. I, I think it's just uh, just a brilliant movie. Uh, I remember the first time I saw it uh, years ago when it came out. It was over at Sunset Station, the movie theater over there. And uh, literally just, you know, kind of putting everything in proper perspective uh, on what Jesus Christ went through for us. And it was absolutely amazing. And when I walked to the car, I was by myself, and it was like one of these misty, rainy nights. And I just remember it took me uh, several minutes before I was able to compose myself and get in the car and drive home. Didn't gamble, didn't do anything, just kind of felt compelled to, you know, take in uh, the movie and, and very thankful. And uh, like I said, put things in proper perspective. Look, I I mean, I'm somebody that, you know, I, I party hard. I, I, you know, I work hard, party hard. It's always been, you know, an all or nothing, you know, pretty much for me. Now I've uh, kind of calmed it back a little bit you know you get older you you start gaining that wisdom and you got to start putting it into into play I know there's uh you know my my daughters and stuff and I look and I'm like my gosh why couldn't I be that mature when I was that young and uh just never was and so I remember my dad saying you know there's going to be times that you are going to have to learn by the school of hard knocks of course that was almost every time for me so the wisdom my dad tried to hand down and other uh elders that were in my life really never took it in and I had to learn the hard way, as they'd say, and uh, now I try to hand some of that wisdom down to the younger generation because I know what it's like when you screw up and, uh, you know, you feel like you're, you're all alone. But very, very blessed to, uh, uh, to have my faith. Uh, it's pretty strong, and I'm very, very blessed. Uh, some great churches, if you're new to the Vegas Valley, uh, you know, I go back and forth between Phoenix and Vegas. So CCV is a great uh, church, a uh, bunch of them in the Phoenix Valley. But Central Christian Church, Pastor Judd Wilhite right there off Russell Road in the 95. That's a phenomenal church. Uh, Pastor Judd, just love him. Uh, Drew is outstanding as far as leading the music team over there. They're fabulous. And then Pastor Benny Perez as well, 
Uh, he's the head honcho over at the Church Las Vegas, and they've got several campuses around town, both non-denominational Christian churches. So, you know, I know uh, my wife, she came from a Lutheran church background over in Wisconsin, and I've got friends that went to Baptist churches or, you know, different, you know, Catholic churches, a lot of Catholic uh, parishioners uh, as far as me growing up in Jersey. Uh, But, you know, basically to me, if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, to me, I, I don't care, you know, quite frankly, if you're, you know, Catholic or Lutheran or Jesuit or Baptist, you know, the end of the day, if you truly believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then, you know, that's good. If you don't, you know, look, I I just pray for everybody. I don't judge anybody because that's not for me. Like I said, I've sinned probably more in my lifetime than most of you will in five lifetimes. So, you know, that's probably why I ended up making it to Vegas because I figured, you know, if you're going to make it, you got to make it where you're able to combat you know, your weaknesses. And for me, it's always been, you know, the gambling, the drinking, all those different things. Uh, Sometimes, you know, too much of all of them at the same time. So it's like working at C's Candy or Russell Stover and you're a chocoholic. You're either going to, you know, eat yourself to death or you're going to learn how to do things in moderation. And, uh, you know, so I've kind of mastered the latter there. Uh, you know, every now and then have a letdown, but uh, not too often these days. And it is uh, more fun to hand back to the younger generation and give back that wisdom so that they don't make the same mistakes that you made. And I know we all try to do that in the Vegas Valley. But 3760 Sunset Road is uh, the Church LV. And guys, if you're looking for a great place to go early Sunday morning, 6.30 a.m., they have a a little prayer worship. They just play worship music, really good music. And uh, Pastor Ivan, Pastor Stan Hicks, my good buddy, and uh, Pastor Mike Jones, they are there. And you just go in and you can just pray. And guys will pray for you if you have things on your mind and and things are bringing you down. You can just go over to Church at Las Vegas. And it's 6.30 in the morning on Sundays. And uh, you can check it out, 3760 Sunset Road. 3760 Sunset Road, and then their first service, I believe, on Sundays. Now, it may change, you know, with Easter weekend, everybody adds different services, but normally it's 9.30 a.m. is the first service there at Church Las Vegas right there on Green Valley. And, again, they have several campuses, so you could just go online and check it out. But Pastor Benny Perez has been doing it for a long time. He's an East L.A. guy, and he's got uh, passion uh, big time and uh, just always – you know, they're always praying for people. Pastor Jed Wilhite, like I said, from Central, and there's so many great churches in the Vegas Valley. People don't realize because they always call us Sin City, and I guess, you know, it makes sense, but there are more churches in Las Vegas per capita than anywhere else in the United States. So you wouldn't think that, right? you think Bible Belt or something like that, but nope, it's Las Vegas, Nevada, and Clark County. All right, uh, we are just about up against it here on hour number one. Brad Powers will join me in a few minutes from now, and then producer Mark Hoke and I will wrap wrap, uh, the show up a little bit later. And, of course, he'll touch base on his show and what he's got coming up on Sunday morning, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. I'll get you caught up on that Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Again, no hockey, but I'll get to the overnights as well. I'll update you and let you know the Warriors now, 86. 73 lead the Kings by a Baker's dozen fourth quarter just underway from Sacramento. Lakers have grabbed the lead now from Phoenix. 705 to go third quarter from Los Angeles 72 to 70. It's 6 to 3 Arizona putting away the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw not getting the run support that he needed cuz he struggled in the game and it's still the Angels 3. Toronto 1 that is top 7 from Anaheim. Hour number 1 in the books as we uh, rock and roll. Looking forward to the Masters. I'll be up early. 
Don't know if I'll get up at 5 a.m., which is, uh, you know, when it'll start here. It'll start 8 a.m. there from Augusta if the weather cooperates. And we'll see how much we can get in. Uh, you know, every now and then the weathermen are wrong, but every weather report I looked at looks like better than 90% rain, you know, throughout the first, you know, six, seven hours of the day there in Augusta, Georgia. So we'll see how things plan pan out. We could have some golf on Monday from the Masters. We are live from Vegas, 101.5 FM K Dawn and Spring and uh, streaming live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. If you haven't downloaded it, do it now. It's free. We are live from Vegas. We'll come back. Hour number two, SportsX Radio on a Good Friday fiasco. We'll be right back. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill. Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, KT Live, PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas on this Good Friday, a live show, and uh, coming at you for another 55, 56 minutes. And then uh, we'll let you go enjoy your Easter weekend. Mark Hoke, of course, his show live on Easter morning, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., the Mark Hoke Show, the best in professional wrestling. You like the professional wrestling from last week, WrestleMania. He's going to review that second day, that Sunday, and uh, get into that big time. He's got some great guests as well. And uh, we'll see if we have Masters Golf on Monday. We'll find out how this weather uh, how much havoc it plays over there in Augusta. Uh, PSBR Law Studios, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Wednesday, always over at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, one of three in the Vegas Valley to serve you. And they've got their bus trip coming up in June, Astros and Dodgers. I'll get into that more on Wednesday night. But PSBRLaw.com, jot it down, the best in personal injury. You may need it in the future. You got the 702 for Vegas, 830. 830- 9353-830-9353. Strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice. Remember the Preventative Diagnostic Center as well. The, uh, Dr. John Pearson Company, are you kidding me? If you demographically fall in the, uh, the ages between 40 and 72 years old, again, you are very fortunate whether you live in Vegas or whether you're coming in to visit Vegas. 
set things up because we've got the only scanner of its kind in the region, gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease, cancer. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center. And you can call now. You can schedule that free educational consultation. You got the 702 down again for Vegas, 534-7900. Real easy number to remember, 534-7900. Make sure you tell them Ken Thompson Sportex Radio sent you. Comfortable scan takes just a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. They'll check out all your organs, but you can get in there and get your heart CT scan and calcium score special and uh, get familiarized and acclimated to the Preventative Diagnostic Center now in their fourth year here in the Vegas Valley. That CT scan and calcium score, it'll let you know if you got that Widowmaker clogging up. And ladies, as I always mention, and uh, guys, let your wives know this as well, and your sisters and or daughters, let them know that uh, heart disease is the number one killer of women in the United States. Uh, You take all the other cancers combined, and uh, heart disease still uh, beats them all combined as far as uh, taking out women in the United States. So uh, heart CT scan and calcium score, get that great information. $125 for a $600 value, and then your significant other absolutely free. So the two of you can get in there. Total $125, get the heart checked out. Guys, make sure you don't get blindsided with that widow maker. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. Call the Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534-7900. You want to check out the scanner, go to pdcenterlv.com, pdcenterlv.com, and they take all those risk factors into consideration, your age, tobacco use, high blood pressure, whether or not you have high cholesterol or triglyceride levels, uh, obesity, whether or not you have family history of diabetes or heart attacks in your family, lack of physical activity, high stress level, all of that comes into play. And Dr. John Pierce and his crew will be right there at your side at the Preventative Diagnostic Center. So uh, get on down there, 534-7900. All right, on this Good Friday, got a special guest uh, on, and you hear this guy for the last bunch of years, especially on the Friday football fiasco. He is the best in college football. He's one of the best in the NFL. He's pretty darn good college basketball as well. And uh, he's heading back to the hometown in Ohio coming up on Sunday. Uh, well, maybe he's back there now. I didn't. I, I wasn't sure if he was back or maybe he's leaving tomorrow. Brad Powers, that's right. He's going to go to the spring game, the UNLV spring game tomorrow. And then he's going to make it back in time back home for Easter with the family. Brad Powers, great to have you on this good Friday. How are you doing, my man? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me, KT. Long time no talk. No, it's always great to hear you wherever you're at. You're always people are always grabbing at the coattails. Look, I knew you were one of the best the first time you and I ended up doing uh, the Dream Pods over there pregame, and I said, "Man, this guy puts in the hours, and he is just a wealth of knowledge." And you know, even though you were much younger than me, you knew the history of college football. You knew a ton of games that you never saw live, but you went back whether you YouTubed them or or whether you you found other ways to find them and 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 study them. You're unbelievable as far as your knowledge, and not only the knowledge of the game itself, but the game within the game, and that's what makes you, uh, you know, to me, the best in the business, Brad. I, I mean, there's a lot of other solid uh, prognosticators and, and uh, historians as far as the game of college football, but there's nobody that has the dual package like Brad Powers. You're one of those dual threats like we see on the field and, and the quarterbacks that teams are cover, coveting right now in the NFL, those dual threat guys. Well, Brad Powers, you are the dual threat. And, of course, you're darn good in the NFL as well. And so that's why I wanted to touch base with you on a couple different things because, you know, I look at the Raiders and I, I see the quarterbacks that they have now that they've brought in and they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, I like Jimmy G, but he's got a history of not making it through the season too often. 
And, you know, you have Chase Garbers, the kid from Cal, who's now relegated uh, to the number three spot because they signed Brian Hoyer, a 15-year veteran uh, that knows the system, that, you know, familiar with Josh McDaniels from his days at New England. So I'm thinking that the Raiders are probably not going to go after a quarterback with that number seven pick. And from most of the mock drafts that I've looked at, I saw Christian Gonzalez's name, uh, the most consistent name that I saw next to the Raiders, the uh, youngster uh, secondary player out of Oregon. And I was just wondering where you think the Raiders needed to, I mean, I know they need help all over the defense, but I, I was wondering if maybe your insight was that they indeed would go secondary or do they look to trade down and maybe uh, get another pick somewhere in the first four rounds along with another uh, second round pick or, or maybe even a later first round pick. I, I just wanted to kind of pick your brain on a few things, both at the uh, pro level draft wise and maybe at the college level as well, as we look forward going through. And I know you're uh, a veteran of watching all these different spring games. Yeah, so first off, many things to attack. I'll start with, you know, quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I don't think it's number seven spot. I mean, the, the Raiders should be taking anybody because obviously C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young will be off the board at that point, and I think Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are not worthy of being top ten picks. Not saying that they won't. I mean, it's very likely that both both Richardson and Levis probably go at least in the top 15, but I don't think the Raiders should be uh, mortgaging the future on either one of those two guys at that spot. So, uh, you, you wait till next year. Caleb Williams, Drake May. Uh, I think a better quarterback class next year for the Raiders. As far as position and needs, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. Obviously, offense, defensive line, uh, cornerback positions, a major one. You mentioned, you know, trading down. Look, unless they're, you know, absolutely in love with a player at a position and need, maybe it is Christian Gonzalez. Uh, I, you know, I always think that the talent level coming out of college football has never been better and deeper. So, if you can grab extra picks, especially, you know, to say it's a second-round type guys and picking up an extra late first, early second, I'm all for that. But I'll say this, KT, with regards to Christian Gonzalez, because that, that t- tends to be, at least as we stand now, two weeks out, that seems to be the most popular pick for the Raiders to, to go at number seven. I watched the Oregon-Georgia game a couple weeks ago. In fact, mm-hmm. actually about six weeks ago. Right. Uh, obviously, it was a beatdown for the Ducks. They got absolutely annihilated. I circled one player on Oregon's team uh, that, you know, looked the part to me. It was Gonzalez. My offense and defense, I only circled one of their players, uh, and it was Gonzalez. So, I mean, he definitely looks the part. He's got that great size at that position, can be physical in the run game, so has enough speed to, to be a cover corner. I think he's the best corner in the cornerback in, in the draft. So, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad pick if that's what the Raiders wanted to do. There you go. All right, so let me go as far as the quarterbacks, and no particular order, but Bryce Young, Carolina has that number one pick, and I've heard you know, several reports saying C.J. Stroud's the guy. Other ones, they are in love with Bryce Young, so I don't know which way they're going to go. Uh, after watching Tua Tungavailoa getting thrown down a couple times like a rag doll, you know, size a problem. But Bryce Young, very cerebral quarterback, understands the game, knows how to get outside the, you know, the tackle box. But it's different when you're playing with Alabama and you've got one of the best offensive lines at the collegiate level, they're able to protect you a lot better uh, than at the pro level. I think you've got to take advantage to get outside that tackle box where you're protected by the rules, where you can throw the ball out of bounds, just get it to the line of scrimmage or run and slide. And they're not supposed to hit you and they can't hit you in the head. So kind of protect yourself. And I, I, you know, he's somebody that's got uh, 
uh, solid peripheral vision, uh, you know, at least from what we've seen in college. And I watched him play at Modern Day, of course, against St. John Bosco several times. And both of those teams, two of the top teams in the country year in, year out. What's your take on Bryce Young uh, after seeing, you know, what happened to Tua? Uh, size-wise, are you deterred from maybe grabbing Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud because Stroud, a much bigger prospect? Yeah, it's a good question. It's the question. Uh, and I'm not sure that Carolina's figured it out yet because, you know, I did a show on Monday and C.J. Stroud was like minus 300 to go number one. And uh, now I'm just looking now at the DraftKings, the FanDuel's of the world. I mentioned those books because uh, there's not many books in Vegas even offering NFL draft props right now. Uh, C.J. Stroud's on like minus 135, so it's pretty close uh, between him and Bryce Young. Uh, size is a concern for me, but I- I'll tell you, last two years, I think Bryce Young's been the best player in college football for going over two-year sample size. I mean, the most consistent player. Uh, wasn't 100%. I think people forget last year. You know, got banged up. Was he going to play against Tennessee? Wasn't he? Actually, even in the, the, they lost the game, I thought he played really well. It was the LSU game where I, I don't think he had a good game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not – we just don't have a great sample size, KT, of a lot of five foot eleven, 195, you know, six foot uh, 195 quarterbacks. I mean, that was his playing weight at least last year. I know he, he tried to put on some weight for the combine, but – uh, I just, I <laughs> historically speaking, <laughs> that doesn't translate well to the next level. Although, look, in today's day and age, quarterbacks aren't taking hits uh, like they were. You know that Terry, they're not getting dumped on their head like Terry Bradshaw was. Uh, that's just the name of the game. They try to protect the quarterback. So I have less of an issue than, than what I would 20 years ago. Uh, CJ, you know, comparing him to CJ Stroud. The thing with C.J. Stroud is, am I getting C.J. Stroud against Georgia or am I getting C.J. Stroud against Michigan? If I'm getting the Georgia C.J. Stroud, then he deserves to to be the number one pick. If it's a Michigan guy, I mean, I would rather have Bryce Young. So, I mean, it's kind of a coin flip between the two, and we're seeing the odds right now almost reflect that. Yeah, that's crazy because if they they win that game, if they hold on to that lead against Georgia and then take out TCU – there's no doubt yeah. to me that C.J. Stroud is is the number one pick. I agree with you 100%. Now, with Trey Lance having trouble getting on the field, and, of course, he got hurt last year. He was supposed to be the heir apparent there for the 49ers, but didn't have a lot of uh, games under his belt. So small sample yeah. size there at North Dakota State. Anthony Richardson, same thing, coming from an SEC school there at Florida, but still not a big sample size and didn't even have the starting job two years ago. What's your take on Richardson? Because you said at number seven, if he were there and you were the Raiders, you wouldn't waste the first-round pick. And I'm not saying I shouldn't use waste. You wouldn't use the first-round pick. You think he's someone that will still potentially go in the first round, but it's not somebody that you would grab at number seven if you had that pick? I'm okay even saying the word waste. Anybody that's drafting Anthony Richardson in the top ten is wasting a pick. And, you know, it just in my eye, he can have the, the greatest measurables. And right now, you know, when you look at his athletic score, I know a lot of them do that. I mean, it's maybe the best we've ever seen out of the combine out of a quarterback. I am in the business of tape, don't lie. You mentioned doesn't have it's not like he was a three-year starting quarterback at Florida mainly a one-year starting quarterback and then that one year we're talking about a guy that completed 53 percent of his passes I go to the tape uh, I watched the Kentucky game just so I can get a look at Will Levis and Richardson in one game I uh, wasn't impressed with either one and then you go to like the South Florida game you almost single-handedly lost that game he did lose the Kentucky game for 
for, for Florida. And then, I mean, the second half of the Florida State game where, I mean, he couldn't even complete a single pass for the most part. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I don't care that the guy can do a backflip or jump 40 inches in the air, throw the ball 70 yards. I mean, or, you know, hit the top of the, the roof in an indoor practice facility. I need a guy to complete passes. I need a guy that can, you know, move the chains, and I just don't see it on a consistent basis for Richardson. So, again, anybody drafting him in the top ten, I'm not afraid to use that language. They're wasting a pick. Wow, that is great stuff. You know what? And I agree with you uh, to a point. Like the combine and even the pro days for these athletes, I get it. You know, that's great, and you're going to have a ton of scouts there. But, you know, when you look back, and I remember, I, I'm trying to remember which coach it was, but uh, he, he even mentioned a couple players example-wise. Troy Palomalo and Zach Thomas were two of the guys and said, look, those guys aren't going to win anything or they're not going to you know, have you turn your head when you're at uh, a combine or a pro day. He said, but at the end of the game, when it's third or fourth down and the game's on the line, I can bet 90% of the time that those guys with their football uh, savviness and their uh, just a cerebral uh, football mind that they have, they're going to be in the right place at the right time most of those times. And uh, so you got to look beyond just the combine and the athleticism. I agree with you. It is nice to watch Tyree Kill do the backflip after he gets a touchdown. He's also got that speed, and he's he's made it count on the field. But you're right. Uh, Anthony Richardson's got a lot of athleticism, but I've really, you know, outside of I, th- I think he had one really good game at Florida, and I'm trying to, you know, think back if he, if he ever really had more than that uh, to where he really looked the part of a starting quarterback in the SEC. He had great stats against Tennessee in a loss. Uh, he made those couple of unbelievable athletic plays to upset Utah in the opener, and that's where everybody fell in love. And he, mm-hmm. you know, basically almost became the Heisman favorite overnight. But again, just was not consistent, and just doesn't have a big sample size. And look, I, I mean, uh, the, the athleticism isn't everything. Uh, you, you look at you know those top the, the guys did a combination of you know the the forty and. Uh, you know, the broad jump and the vertical and all that. And the top 10, 15 most athletic quarterbacks, at least coming out of combine testing, not a single one of them Hall of Fame career. I guess the best one would be Cam Newton, who was an MVP one year. But, again, I mean, he left a lot to be desired. So, again, I just don't think that necessarily translates to the great quarterback play, especially in today's day and age. I mean, uh, accuracy is pretty much one of the leading indicators for, you know, success at the next level. And, I mean, when you got a kid that's only completing 53% of his passes, I, I just, I'm not sure that's going to translate well at the next level, to say the least. All right. So, tight end wise, I mean, you had one of the best at your favorite school, Notre Dame. Uh, but I see Sam Laporta from Iowa on a lot of the mock drafts as the first tight end. I just wanted to get that position down because I know they, they use uh, a lot of the, a lot of the teams, you know, they'll use the wide, re- uh, the tight end more like a wide receiver. Now you've got those guys like Kittle and everybody wants a Travis Kelsey type guy. Uh, but Michael Mayer, you got to watch him at Notre Dame and South Bend. And I've seen him as high as, you know, 12, I think, and, and 15 a lot. And, and then I saw Sam Laporta from Iowa up there on a bunch of boards as well. Who do you have as the top tight ends coming out of college, Brad? Well, number one, I'll say it's a very strong year uh, for the tight ends, as strong as it's ever been. I mean, not only Michael Mayer, you got Kincaid out of Utah, Darnell Washington, a physical freak out of Georgia, Musgrave from Oregon State, uh, Laporta, Iowa. Tucker Craft's a really good tight end out of South Dakota State. If you watched him uh, throughout the you know the, the national championship season for the Jackrabbits, some 
Very impressive kid. Koontz from Old Dominion's really good. Schoonemaker from Michigan. Wiley from Cincinnati. Mallory from Miami, Florida. I mean, it goes 10 deep. And when I'm listing these guys, I mean, these are all guys that I would take, you know, in the first three, four rounds. Uh, I think there's a, you know, a possibility we might see as many as three tight ends go in the first round of the draft. I mean, that's almost unheard of. Usually it's, it's typically only one, maybe two at most. But uh, I think in all three, if there are three guys that go in the first round, I think it's all deserving. I mean, I'm obviously biased because I watch Notre Dame football on a year-in-year-out basis. I'm very familiar with the, histor- in the history of that program, especially at the tight end position. I mean, they're almost like tight end you. And I'm here to tell you, KT, whether it's blocking, receiving, Michael Mayer's the most complete tight end to come out of Notre Dame. That's the case. I think he should be the, the first tight end taken off the board. I just, I don't, I think he's got the, maybe he doesn't have the highest ceiling as far as athletic, athletic wise, like a Darnell Washington, but man, he's the most consistent. I think he's made one of the, for, regardless of position, he's one of the safest picks you can make in the first round. Yeah, he doesn't drop anything, even when he's getting tattooed, no question. Uh, but there weren't a lot of guys that defensively were able to stay with him uh, the last couple of years. Wide receiver-wise, you taught, you called this early last year. You had insight, but you also prognosticated that Jackson Smith and Jigma would not play uh, after the first couple of games. You said, he's not coming back, KT. Uh, he's done. He's going he's gonna to wait for the draft. And you were dead on. He never came back, even when we potentially thought he was cleared over there in Columbus to play. And as Ohio State was moving forward, you're like, no, he's, he's not going to play. And you were dead on as far as that goes. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Jordan Addison, or uh, there's another one there that was – like right there, I, I know Zay Flowers was up there. Uh, who, who's yeah. the who are the be, yeah the who's the best wide receiver uh, that you think, or who will be you know the first two wide receivers off the board? Jackson Smith will probably be the first one. I mean, I'm not a big fan of what happened uh, last year. Uh, that's kind of the, day, the the day and age we live in. Uh, Quentin Johnson, I think, would might probably be the number two guy out of TCU just because okay. of his size, athletic freak. And really, you know, stood out in the big games uh, consi- on a consistent basis for a team that played for the national championship. Addison would be right in the mix there, you know, possibility, you know, first rounder. I really like Zay Flowers uh, from Boston College. I liked him, you know, multiple years uh, for, for a team that didn't have a lot of weapons. He stood out. Uh, on, you know, it was a bad Boston College team last year, but again, athletically, he stands out. I like Josh Downs from North Carolina as a slot kid. I think another kid that uh, is going to be rising up boards, I think it will at least be taken in the second round, is Tank Dell out of Houston. Is another name to keep an eye on, uh, a guy that can uh, be up there. Hyatt had an outstanding season for Tennessee last year, very productive. So uh, it's a really solid wide receiver class. I think you have three, four guys uh, at least go in the first round. At the, you know, Probably my favorite of the bunch. Sleeper-wise would be Flowers from B.C., uh, best overall is probably still Smith and the jig buff. He's 100% healthy. But, man, I, I again, just this is me personally, not a fan of, of how that all went down last season. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we will keep Brad for one more segment if that works. We'll keep you only a half segment if, they, if, if, if that's okay, Brad. I just want to uh, go over some of the stuff going on in college football and just get back to the Raiders, get your, your take real quick on this Good Friday. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at BradPower7. Folks, I'm telling you, you're not going to find anybody more knowledgeable as far as college football. And Brad doesn't follow the other guys as far as you know draft uh, you know, stock and whatnot. He does his own work and, you know, doesn't care about McShay or Kuiper or what those guys are doing. 
Brad Powers puts in work, and he watches these spring games, and he watches the games back, all the games back. He travels to the stadiums just to be familiarized. Uh, he does it all as far as on the college football level, and then he translates that to the pro level as well, and that's why he's one of not only the best informational guys but the best handicapper combined in college and pro football. We are SportsX Radio on a good Friday. Mark Hoke's been in the hits when we come back. We'll keep things rolling. We go all the way till about 9.56, and then we'll let you out of here for your Easter weekend. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM. K-Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app. If you haven't downloaded it, do it now. It's a free app. We are live from Vegas, PSBR Law Studios. I'm Ken Thompson. We're coming right back. Uh, yeah, a little Phillips, Craig, and Dean coming back here on a good Friday, staying with the theme of a big day for Christians across the world. And uh, Brad Powers, my guest here on SportsX Radio as we finish up Friday night. We'll be back next week. Looking forward to it. Hopefully the uh, Masters is able to get in, but the weather creating havoc down there in Augusta. Update some things on the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. 4-3, to three, Toronto has grabbed the lead now in Anaheim over the Angels. Halos bat two outs, bottom eight, man on third. Keep an eye on that one. Meanwhile, uh, I think... I think we've got a final. Yes, it is a final from Arizona. Dodgers get beat by the Diamondbacks 6-3, to the final in that game. So the Toronto Angels game, the only game going on the Diamonds in the big leagues. Lakers up 9, 520 to go fourth quarter on Phoenix, 109-100, laying 13.5. Still have some work to do there, and it's just gone final. Golden State finish off, finishes off Sacramento in a big way, 119-97. to Sacramento resting a bunch of players. Game stays well under the 233.5. So a look at the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Get to the overnights in a little bit, but want to uh, get some more stuff in with Brad Powers. Follow him on Twitter at BradPowers7 the best in college and pro football. And BP, uh, as I look at this, you know, this Raider roster, again, there's, uh, you know, there's a bunch of question marks. Uh, they've got a bunch of former Patriots players, now 11 on the roster. Josh Jacobs getting the tag there, uh, running back-wise. You have Devontae Adams coming back under contract. You bring in Jacoby Myers. Hunter Renfro's back. Don't know if he'll be on that roster when the season starts. Uh, Colton Miller, really the only mainstay as far as, uh, the offensive line that's been there for years. But Dylan Parham, the youngster out of Memphis, was pretty decent. So he's left guard. So the left side looking okay. Andre James, adequate there center-wise. They bring back Alex Bars and Jermaine Illuminor, uh, but still have some question marks there as far as depth on the offensive line. Tight end-wise, Darren Waller now a New York Giant. And uh, Foster Morrow uh, battling cancer, so we're, our prayers with him. I actually saw him at Lifetime Fitness a couple weeks ago, literally like four or five days before he got the news and uh, was found fortunately by a trainer down there in New Orleans when he went and did a uh, tryout there for the New Orleans Saints, where, of course, uh, his quarterback Derek Carr is. 
uh, but they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, but they have Austin Hooper at that tight end position, also grabbed O.J. Howard. I like Jesper Horstead. I think that kid's got potential, and they re-signed him. On the defensive line, we know that Max Crosby's real. Jerry Tillery comes back. Bilal Nichols. Uh, if we could get a full season out of him from the Bears. And then Chandler Jones, if he shows up for more than two games, that'd be nice because they uh, spent a lot of money on him. But they were busy grabbing Marcus Epps from Philadelphia uh, in the secondary. Trayvon Merrick, uh, I thought he regressed a little bit in his second year, but I think the potential's still there. Divine Diablo stepped in at linebacker and did an okay job, but they've got some holes to fill, there's no question. And they let their long snapper go. Uh, Trent Sieg, who had a really good uh, relationship with both place kicker Daniel Carlson and punter A.J. Cole. So that was kind of a surprise. Uh, they bring in Jacob Bobbenmoyer from Denver, uh, another uh, veteran long snapper. So we'll see how all that pans out. But, uh, Brad, what about the Raiders? Where do you look for them to uh, to work on? Again, a lot of holes and, uh, you know, a lot of pressure now on Coach McDaniels because, you know, when you trade away a quarterback that was there for nine years and I get it, he wanted to go a different route. But, you know, from what I understood, I don't think Derek Carr really had the freedom to audible at the, at the line of scrimmage. And it's, it's a new system for him. You bring in Devontae Adams, which is all well and good, the chemistry they had at Fresno, that's good, and the friendship. Uh, but then, you know, you're basing bringing him over with the season that Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro had the year before where they were both all pro and then those two guys missed 15 games between them. So it's hard to gauge what type of offense you could have had. How do you see this offense moving forward for, with what they have now, with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, and then your backup journeyman Brian Hoyer, and then Chase Garber sitting there at number three? Uh, average at best. Uh, I'm just keeping it real, KT. But I just I, I don't see it. I mean, I thought they had enough weapons last year to – to, to be, you know, a top 10 caliber offense and, you know, with a lot of inconsistency to say the least. And not only from a game in and game out basis, but held during games, uh, inconsistency for the Raiders. I mean, their first team in history to blow what a multiple two touchdown leads late in games. So, uh, I, I just, I average at best. And when you're in the division where obviously Kansas City's the top dog and I think the Chargers are better. And then, you know, De- Denver, you know, leaves a lot to be desired, but I think they've upgraded at head coach to say the least. So yep, I, yep. I just, I don't see a pathway KT to the playoffs this year for the Raiders. No, I no, know, nor do I. And the win total, the first one I saw DraftKings had seven and a half. And, uh, you know, I hate to uh, be the guy. There? That I mean, you have I'm going, over, no, right? I, I, I will not, I will not, I will not bet over. I will not bet over. I was, uh, you know, <laughs> thorough, thoroughly disgusted last year with the weapons they had. And then, like I said, missing, uh, Missing out on uh, 15 games between Renfro and Waller was frustrating. But, you know, being there, I'll never forget being there on my birthday against the Cardinals and had a 20 nothing oh, lead. Oh, my God. A 20-0 lead and literally begged my two brothers-in-law, who are big Cardinal fans, and drove in from Phoenix with their wives, and they wanted to leave at halftime. KT, you know what? Hey, man, good job. Raiders won. Happy birthday. We're going to go back, play some blackjack. And I'm like, no, come on, you guys. It's my birthday, man, you, you pansies, man. Stay here. Enjoy, KT. You know, have, have a drink. Come on, we're gonna, we'll, we'll lift back to the hotel later and, and, you know, enjoy it with me and Christy, your sisters here. And they're like, all right. So begrudgingly, they stayed. And uh, when Murphy picked up that uh, fumble and returned it for a touchdown in overtime, it was literally right in front of me. I was uh, just a few rows away from where that happened. 
and it was one of those birthdays to forget. And uh, it, it was kind of, kind of, kind of sad. And then I had two brother-in-laws like, Oh, Grinchy, man, you're awesome, man. Thanks so much for begging us to stay, man. You're the best because we were going to go back to the hotel. We would have missed it, man. It was the great because they're big Cardinal fans, and they'll never let me live that one down. So, yeah, that was tough. And, you know, the glass was half full for a while. But, uh, you know what, I again, with Jimmy Garoppolo's track record, I like Jimmy G. I, I just don't I know what do. he's got left in the tank. You know, I, I like him as a competitor, and uh, I, I get it. He was part of that system for a little bit there with McDaniels. Uh, you know, uh, it's a lot of years removed. I think 2016 was the last time he was back in that system. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Again, when you lose 9-10 games by one score, you just don't know because, you know, maybe maybe they can, you know, get back there. But, you know, Josh McDaniels, you know, the way that he started out at Denver was great, but the way he finished up at Denver was not good. And so, you know, sometimes whether it's a Norv Turner or, you know, there's uh, several other guys, uh, Wade Phillips, uh, some guys are just great coordinators. They're just not great head coaches, you know. So we'll see. Again, I respect Jimmy G. I don't think he's an upgrade over Carr. I mean, if anything, I think he's just downgrade. So, uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, I wasn't a big Derek Carr fan. You know that. So, uh, I. I just don't see the pathway, KT. I just—I'd well, uh, like to, you know, pump some sunshine your way, but uh, the best I can do is, you know, for local teams, I, I you know, I, I like the direction of the UNLV program. Uh, put it that way. There you go. All right. Well, yeah. And here, here's all. Here's all I said is Derek Carr in his nine years at the helm with the Raiders, their defense ranked in his nine years combined number thirty-two. Worst in the NFL in the nine years collectively that Derek Carr was at the helm. Twice they hit number 20. That was the best defensively that they ever hit. So, you know, that hurts. Offensive line, five offensive coordinators, you know, several different head coaches. So my thing was if if uh, McDaniels and Ziegler, the combination from New England, if they get a mulligan, why is Derek Carr the scapegoat? Why does he get blamed for everything? I don't get it. The guy's trying to learn a new system, and, you know, I just, you know, he had two of his weapons that we talked about. Again, if you had the same guy, same Waller and the same Renfro from the year before, coupled with Devontae Adams and the type of year that Josh Jacobs had, that gives you four legitimate weapons. They didn't have that for 15 games, so... You know that's that. That's all I wanted to see. I I, I just think that Carr uh, wasn't the guy as far as the system, and so now the pressure's on McDaniel's. I mean, he's got to come through because now he's got a lot of his New England guys. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I like him. He's a good, solid athlete, and you know, with Devontae Adams, I know Devontae's probably personally not happy, but you know, he's a professional and he'll move forward. Uh, Philip Dorsett comes over. You still have Keelan Cole who didn't get on the field that much last year. And, uh, you keep Amir Abdullah. Uh, you still have Brandon Bolden and Zamir White, I thought was going to be more productive last year. I thought he'd get the ball more, the youngster out of Georgia. So yeah, a lot of question marks. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not holding my breath as far as the postseason, especially like you said, with Sean Payton taking over Denver and uh, knowing that Russell Wilson will probably upgrade his season. I think he's still got something left in the tank. Uh, college football, USC, you know I'm a big SC fan. And, you know, I'm just wondering, uh, I heard you talking to Cofield the other day. I caught a, a, the tail end of that. Defensively, uh, SC, I know they go through that transfer portal, and I saw five uh, six, uh, five uh, that they had listed as starters from the uh, from the uh, transfer portal on that defense, and uh, you know three more as far as reserve. But I was wondering, were you surprised that they kept Alex Grinch, and, and how do you see this defense moving forward? 
Uh, maybe a little bit because, I mean, the ending was so bad, especially, you know, how that finish ended against Tulane. Very disappointing bowl performance. But, you know, he's been supporting Grinch. You know, even he had some bad defenses at Oklahoma, to say the least. So, um, must be, you know, his guy. I mean, not only a guy that he hired, but maybe maybe the friends. I don't know. I mean, I to me, I need more production. I mean, I think he's had enough time. And But my, my point on Cofield was I'm not sure that Lincoln, you know, really – relies on that defense or puts, you know, a lot of stock into the defense when he can have the best offense in the country. He's got the best quarterback in the country, to say the least, in Caleb Williams. So um, now, I mean, you're getting to the transfer portal. I do like some of the guys they picked up. Jack Sullivan, I thought, was Purdue's best pass rusher. That's a guy in the defensive line. Anthony Lucas from Texas A&M, super talented. You know, a high four-star kid. He dominated last year's spring game for A&M, I mean, with all those talented guys there. So I think that's an upgrade on the defensive line uh, for, for them. They get the leading tackler from Oklahoma State and linebacker Mason Cobb. Uh, so they, they, as always, I mean, he did a really good job in the transfer portal. I mean, I I mean, I, I like SC quite a bit this year, KT. I just – I know you and your thought process is not only win the Pac-12, but can, can you win playoff games? And I'm not sure you can win playoff games, you know, so predominantly focused on just one side of the football. Well, I'm hoping they can do it this year because when they go to the Big Ten next year, I don't know if they're going to be able to get out of their own way in the Big Ten. We'll wait and see how that pans out. Drew Pine takes off from Notre Dame to Arizona State. Kenny Dillingham in his first year. What about the Sun Devils? This is from my brother-in-law, Danny, and uh, said, ask your boy Brad Powers, what does he think about us Devils, man? Do we have a shot to have forks up this year? Uh to be determined, I need to watch the spring game. Why? He's bringing in 45 new players. I mean, half the teams that wasn't even on the roster last year. So uh, I need to I need to see some stuff. Uh, number, I'll say I'll speak on, on the hire. I really like the Dillingham hire. I like how he filled out his staff. Uh, so I'm optimistic for the future of Arizona State football. I just don't know if we necessarily see it in 2023 because. He inherits, uh, you know, a problem. I will say a player to keep an eye on. I'm watching some practice clips. Conyers, their tight end. He's an Oklahoma transfer. He played on Arizona State last year. That's a kid to keep an eye on. He looks like their most impressive player, at least on the offensive side of the ball. All right. And then the other one, of course, I've got a daughter graduating Arizona. What about the Cats? My good pal Brian Jeffries calls their games. And, you know, Jaden Delora looked good at times. I uh, believe he'll be back. What about uh, U of A? Because they made strides. And I really like Jed Fish. I, I like what he did over there. They finished 5-7, and seven, but they were in a lot of those games. Well, yeah, I mean, 5-7 and seven was a really good year. I mean, keep in mind, Arizona came into the season, I think, on what, like a 22-game losing streak to win five games, starting off with that opener, which, is, I mean, it's not going to move the needle nationally. But, I mean, a hammer San Diego State in their very first game in a brand-new stadium Week one, I mean, I was super impressed. Big win against UCLA. They really didn't get embarrassed too often. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I thought that was a really good second season for them. Can they take that next step, get the ball eligibility? Uh, I mean, it's up in the air. I think what concerns me a little bit is a couple of their best players transferred out, Dorian Singer going to SC, one of their top wideouts. I mean, that was a little bit uh, of a shock there, the, the transferring conference. One of their best defensive linemen went to LSU, so they got rated a little bit in the transfer portal. So I'm not sure. I think they could be a better team this year, KT, but I'm not sure that's going to necessarily mean an improved record. I think they 
put it right around that five and seven mark. All right, and then the other team I wanted to check with, Kalen DeBoer now, second season there with Washington. Heck of a year last year, and Michael Penix Jr. is back. I like this team. I think this team's, uh, you know, really plays for each other. There seems to be a lot of good camaraderie there. What's your take on the Huskies moving forward? Well, number one, I think Kalen DeBoer is one of the most underrated coaches in the entire country. And, I mean, he came in, hit the ground running. They won 11 games last year. You know, Penix is back. All their top wideouts. It's one of the best wide receiver cores in the country. Everybody's back. It's one of the best passing offenses. Why not? They almost throw it on every single play. Uh, they're right there in the mix. I think there's three, four teams that can win the Pac-12 this year, obviously leading off with USC, but Washington's right on their heels. Utah's there. Oregon's there. So, uh, I think, you know, clear-cut in top 15 team, even in the biggest power rating. So that says a lot, considering what he inherited. Uh, we'll know what they got by week two. They got a really tough game at, in East Lansing week two. All right, last game, last team, uh, you're, you're Notre Dame fighting Irish. What about the Irish moving forward? Uh, you know, I think they're improved, certainly in the passing game with, the, you know, Sam Hartman transferring in from Wake Forest. Right now, he's running with the twos. He's not even a starter. It looks like Buckner's got him, at least for right now. We'll have to see how the spring game shakes out in a couple weeks uh, there. So, I think offensively, they'll be fine. I mean, the hang-up for Notre Dame is a schedule. I mean, uh, Clemson on the road, Ohio State, USC. I mean, all three of those teams are better than Notre Dame. So, uh, I think it's a 9-3 and three caliber season for the Irish, and you know, the Marcus has to recruit. I mean, the biggest position need for them right now is the defensive line. There you go. And Caleb Smith comes over from Virginia Tech, wide out, uh, pretty solid. So, yeah, we'll pretty see. Uh, player. Yep, yep. Yeah, we'll Don't see how Notre Dame pans out. I'll say this, KT, I think the wide receiver core will be one of the most improved in the country. They were, they were horrific last year. Couldn't even barely field it too deep. Great stuff, as always, Brad Powers. Enjoy the UNLV spring game tomorrow. Enjoy Easter Sunday with the family back east. Always a pleasure to have you on, my man. You know how much I appreciate you. And uh, God bless you, my man. Always always great talking to you, Brad. Thank you so much Thanks. for Take taking care, time KT. out of your – you're the best, buddy. Appreciate you. All right, okay. Brad Powers. Brad Powers on a good Friday. Got one more segment. Going to talk with my producer, Mark Hoke. Get you caught up on the uh, last of the scores. Look at some of the overnights. And Mark's going to let you know what's going on with his show, the Mark Hoke Show, on Sunday morning, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Easter Sunday. Yes, a live show. We are live from Vegas. Wrap things up. PSBR Law Studios, 101.5 FM, Dawn, Streaming live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. We'll be right back live from Vegas. Little Mercy Me coming back on a good Friday. Ken Thompson wrapping things up. PSBR Law Studios here in Las Vegas. Sportex Radio Monday through Friday, 101.5 FM. Don streaming live on the Odyssey app. Producer Mark Hoke, his Mark Hoke show coming up. Best in professional wrestling Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And uh, you can 
uh, download that free Odyssey app and then search Mark Oak Show or search SportsX Radio. Archives for this show come up at about 11 o'clock Pacific time, Monday through Friday. And uh, you can follow at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio. They are pinned right there and uh, several different avenues to listen to the uh, podcast with no commercials. Producer Mark Hoke, going to get into your show in just a little bit. Let me just update the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Everything is over now as far as on the scoreboard. Uh, Toronto held on and beat the Angels 4-3. to Halos had a 3-1 lead going to the seventh. Man on first and two outs, and they make a pitching change. And uh, then a single and a three-run homer by Dante Bichette. That's the difference. And Toronto wins it by a score of four to three. Halos only scratched out three hits. Got five walks from Chris Bassett, who started for Toronto, uh, but couldn't get uh, more than the uh, two runs across on Bassett and three for the night. Uh, but Toronto wins it by a score of four to three. Tampa Bay remains unbeaten. Nine to five. Rays rolling over Oakland earlier today. Uh, Dodgers lose at Arizona. Final on that one was six to three. And uh, on the hardwood, we gave you the last two scores as the Warriors and Lakers both won. Warriors big time, one nineteen ninety seven at Sacramento, a win and a cover. And the Lakers also a win and a cover by a half a point. They beat the Suns one twenty one to one oh seven. They were laying thirteen and a half at the Superbook cover it win it by 14 total 225 and a half that goes over as well hits 228 uh real quick let me uh look at some of the overnights before we get to uh close the show out there with mark oak cincinnati and philly Lodolo and Falter, it'll be Falter for Philly. The Southpaw minus 136, eight and a half the total. Miami and the Mets, that'll be Rodgers and Senga. Senga winning his first game. Uh, young Japanese pitcher, outstanding. He's minus 154, seven and a half your total shaded to the over. Cardinals with Montgomery. Milwaukee is playing great ball with Lauer, the lefty. Uh, it is Lauer. Uh, actually, the underdog, Jordan Montgomery, minus 136, eight and a half your total shaded to the over, minus 125. When we say that, if you're not uh, you know, used to the uh, vernacular as far as sports gaming, when we say shaded to the over, that means if I say minus 125 on the over side of things, you have to lay $125 to win 100 if you bet over that total of eight and a half. So in other words, if you go under the total of eight and a half, you're going to get plus money. Most places, it'll be plus 115 on Milwaukee. Atlanta with Charlie Morton against Waka for San Diego, uh, Atlanta minus 152.9 the total, Arizona and the Dodgers. Uh, that'll be Syndergaard going for the Dodgers, minus 146 against Zach Davies, nine-year total. Washington and Colorado, it is Gomer going there for the Rockies, minus 138 at home at Coors against Washington. Trevor Williams, 11-year total, shaded to the under, minus 125. Houston at Minnesota, that'll be Joe Ryan against Luis Garcia. Ryan minus 110, seven and a half from Minnesota. Boston at Detroit, it is Tanner Houck going for the Red Sox. He's minus 146 against Joey Wentz, the Southpaw for Detroit. Oakland and uh, Tampa Bay, uh, Fujima for uh, Oakland. He got racked his last game. Jeffrey Springer there for Tampa Bay, minus 265, seven and a half your total. Rays look to go 8-0 on the young season, the only unbeaten team in the majors. Marco Gonzalez against Cal Quantrill, Seattle at Cleveland, and Quantrill minus 135, eight and a half your total from Cleveland. Yankees with Brito against Cole Irvin for Baltimore. And I'm seeing, uh, boy, this is lines all over the place, but Brito's minus anywhere from 130 to 165, just depending where you play it. Total's 8.5. I already bet the Orioles 
Toronto with uh, Jose Berrios, who got lit up his first game. I uh, took the Halos there against Tyler Anderson. Anderson minus 112, nine-year total. Kansas City with Singer, Manea for San Francisco. Giants minus 135, eight and a half the total. Texas with Martin Perez against the Cubbies, Justin Steele. Steele minus 118, no total as of yet. In fact, now the Circa has put up a seven shaded to the over, and then the whistle of the wind must be blowing in there at Wrigley. And the White Sox with Clevenger against Pittsburgh. Velasquez, uh, Pittsburgh is the dog in that game. They're playing great ball, the Pirates, right now. Clevenger for Cleveland. Minus 125, or for the White Sox, I should say, minus 125, eight and a half your total. Producer Mark Hoke, what do you got coming up on Sunday? I know you're going to be recapping that uh, WrestleMania one, WrestleMania 39. Uh, a lot of act- activity for you. Hopefully, you've recuperated from a wild weekend in LA. I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. As you get older, as you get older, baby, it takes a lot longer to oh, recoup. No man, question. I tell you, it was just a crazy weekend. So yeah, we'll be recapping day two of WrestleMania and what happened on Monday Night Raw the next night. Yikes! Of course, Vince McMahon getting his fingers back in the pie, and uh, we'll also be covering the rest of uh, wrestling. We got new AEW World Tag Team Champions. We'll talk about that, and we're also going to be joined by. Brett the Threat, he's uh, on the Future Stars of Wrestling roster. Of course, travels all around the West Coast here. Somebody I think you're going to see on TV pretty soon. So should be an unbelievable show with me, Brian Ronovich, Joe DeFalco, and Dave the Difference Lawson sitting in with us, too. We're going to have a packed house here on Easter Sunday. How about that? That is awesome, man. And, you know, that, that is the coolest thing when you uh, find somebody that you prognosticate to be up and coming and you can see them in the future. It's good to get them before they make it, and hopefully they remember you after they do make it. I enjoy that, and that's the cool thing having Charles John on tonight. Uh, you know, he just – getting his uh, his feet wet as far as the PGA Tour. So hopefully uh, he makes a splash as well. And uh, we'll say we knew you when. And uh, hopefully uh, keep those relationships rolling. But, yeah, great stuff. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights back in action tomorrow. They're going to be at Dallas against the Stars. Stars minus 135 and a half your total. Uh, Rangers in Columbus. My Rangers better get it together. The blue shirts get ready for that postseason. Minus 255 at Columbus, six and a half your total. That'll about do it for us on a good Friday. Thanks to Mark Coke, my producer, making it in there on good Friday. Thanks to Brad Powers. Appreciate him big time. And you, the listeners. Till tomorrow or till Monday, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Thanks to Charles John as well. Folks, have a great weekend. Enjoy Easter. We'll talk to you next week. God bless. Good night, everybody.